I'd like to introduce a missionary, a special guest missionary that will speak to the first part of class. This is Gordon Fort. He's going to tell you a little bit about himself and then give us a mission word. I was in uh, Dallas at a retirement center having a conversation uh, with a widow lady there. She told me a really compelling story, how she had been enrolled at Southwestern Seminary with her husband who had been discharged from the Navy and had felt a call on his life yeah. to ministry, enrolled at Southwestern to get his training, planning to become a pastor. Gone up to Oklahoma for some revival services, and while in Oklahoma, Blue Norther came in and caught him outdoors, and he contracted a pneumonia that turned into a double pneumonia, and he ended up passing away, leaving this lady uh, with two little kids, one four, one three, pregnant with her third, and the Great Depression hard on her heels. She said that she went to a little church in Fort Worth, Texas on a Sunday afternoon with her eldest child, son, and the little four-year-old was playing around in the auditorium while she went down to the altar to kneel and pray, to pour out her grief before the Lord, to promise the Lord that if He would help her put food on the table and a shelter over their heads and help her educate these uh, three little kids later, a little boy, another little boy born into her family, that she would raise this eldest boy to serve the Lord, and when it pleased the Lord to call him, that he would go with her blessing. She couldn't drive, didn't have a driver's license, uh, went down to Waco to work as a clerk in the bank. Her mother moved in with her to help her raise the three little kids. Her testimony was that through those years, God was faithful to his promise. So it came as no surprise to her when her son, her eldest boy that she had committed to the Lord, um, first going on to uh, Texas A&M University, she wanted him to have some male influence in his life, not having had a father figure, and then going on into the Navy to serve in World War II. And on his way to World War II, uh, he stopped at a Baptist student ministry uh, at Louisiana Tech as he was headed to Fort Polk. While there, he uh, was sitting in a group to bring fraternal greetings from the Baptist Student Union at Texas A&M to the Baptist Student Ministry at Louisiana Tech. And he was sitting next to a young woman who introduced herself as Juana Ann and um, shared that she had felt God's call to go on and go to medical school and go to the medical mission field. This young man had felt God's call on his life, and it's said that if God preserved his life through the war when he came back, he intended to go on to medical school and go to the mission field. And those two people uh, were my mother and father. They ended up at Baylor Medical School here in Houston, later having a little boy, my eldest brother Giles, who was 18 months old when they got on a boat um, out of New York Harbor 
and over the next couple of months sailed to southern Rhodesia in southern Africa. First, deep, uh, getting off the boat at the port city of Durban, getting a four-wheel drive Dodge Power Wagon truck that was on the boat with them. Once it was offloaded, offloaded their worldly possessions, got in that Dodge Power Wagon truck, and then drove for almost three weeks into the hinterland of the country of southern Rhodesia, where they pioneered medical work. Uh, their first clinic was a mud hut, their first Mama's first incubator. She was a pediatrician. Her first incubator was an orange box uh, with a hot water bottle in it. She said her first premature baby she took care of, the mother named the baby Chiboxi, which means out of the box, because the baby <laughs> spent so much time in the incubator. And uh, that's where I was born. My father delivered me in that Bush hospital. I'm the middle of five boys. Uh, Mama never had any girls, so God bless Mama. She had her hands full. And uh, as we grew up on the mission field, we had a front row seat to seeing the activity of God. Mama came in one day to a lunch um, a time, and she was sharing what God had done that morning. She said, boys, this morning I was helping your dad uh, with the medical procedure. I was running the suction pump, and uh, right in the middle of the surgery, the suction pump stopped working, and your dad couldn't see how to complete the surgery and said, only thing I could do was to turn and put my hand on the machine. I turned the machine off. I said, Lord, if you don't intervene in these circumstances today, this patient's going to die. She said, when I turned the switch back on, the machine began to work perfectly. She said, I cleared the cavity. Your father completed the surgical procedure. His prognosis for recovery is good. Now, what do you think that taught me as a little boy sitting at that table hearing my mother's testimony taught me God's arm is not short. God's ear is not deaf. He is a present help in time of need. I heard that from my grandmother. She knelt and prayed in that little church in Fort Worth, Texas. The God of the universe was listening in. This morning, there's no such thing as a small prayer. Because of my grandmother's faithfulness, my father was called to the mission field. Because of my father's faithfulness, three of his sons were called to the mission field. Because of our faithfulness, we now have our children who are serving on the mission field. My niece spent three years in Afghanistan. My baby girl today is in northern Iraq working amongst the Kurdish people. Our cumulative total of our missionary service through the International Mission Board is now about 275 years. Now where did that come from? It came from a lady who went to the throne of God and prayed. And now this morning... I would just say to you, there's no such thing as a small prayer or a small decision. What you determine today as a result of what you hear is not a small thing. God is moving in the world in an unprecedented way. Your International Mission Board, I've been serving with them now for 36 years. 
has about 3,800 missionaries in 183 countries. Extending the light of the gospel. Next year, we'll celebrate 175 years. Uh, Southern Baptists have not been without a witness amongst the nations for 175 years. Because of your faithfulness. Because of your support. Because of your prayers. Because of your willingness yourselves to go and partner with many of these missionaries who are here today. I want to encourage you. The gospel is moving at an unprecedented rate of speed today. The country of China, 24-hour period on average, 30,000 Han Chinese come to faith every day. From Bangladesh Bengali Muslims, there is a movement of people coming to faith approaching 650,000 believers. Amongst the Bhojpuri in India, there is a movement of Hindu background people coming to faith approaching a million converts. In the country of Iran, one of the most unexpected open doors in my lifetime. About three weeks ago in the U.S. press, it was announced there, fastest growing church in the world. Then you read the article, and where was that? In the country of Iran. I've met Iranian believers in three different parts of the United States, all of them confirming the same story. They estimate that in Iran, over 600,000 have come to faith in Jesus Christ. This, this, is unprecedented. this is unprecedented in Christian history. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to double down in your prayer life as you go to the throne of God and talk to Him. Because when you talk to God, you're talking to the one who knows everything, who can see everything, and who can do anything. Now, maybe you have somebody better to talk to, <laughs> but I don't. I don't have anyone with better contacts. I don't have anyone with better resources. I don't have anyone who knows more than he does. And so today in the world in which we serve, this is the day to be alert to the activity of God. I'm very thankful uh, to your uh, Sunday school teacher for the privilege of addressing you today, and I pray that God would just encourage your hearts as you serve Him. Thank you. Gordon, thank you for sharing. I want to dovetail. You mentioned the Iranian people. Uh, some of you may not know that we have a Spanish Biblic class that meets the same hour. It's the same lessons that Mark teaches, translated into Spanish, and another teacher, Chris Dupont, teaches Mark's lessons in Spanish, we also have a Farsi life group, a Biblit life group here at Champion Force that Naz Hebel teaches. It's on hiatus right now, but uh, it'll start again in January. So please, yeah, give them a hand for the opportunity that Farsi-speaking people can come and hear the same great lessons that, that you hear. And at Champion Forest, uh, we just talked about our Guatemala mission trip, which is, is one of several that Champion Forest support. And uh, you guys are a part of that. But there are other mission trips that you guys could be a part of, as well as anyone else at our church. Uh, I have a list here. We're, this year, in 2020, we're going to Brazil, to Costa Rica with the deaf ministry. So if you're deaf and signed, you can go to that. Or the choir is also going to Costa Rica at a different time of the year. So we're going to hit that country twice. Uh, we have a trip to go into Mexico, to uh, Spain, to Kenya, New Mexico, Honduras, Germany, uh, Indonesia, Colombia. We have a group that's going to New England. Mozambique, 
not New England, Mozambique, but to New England, to Africa, Mozambique, uh, to Long Island and Alaska, the Fiji Islands, Chile, El Salvador, and France. I listed those in uh, chronological order, the trips that will go throughout the year. And so if you pick a time of the year, um, check with our missions group and see if the trip that you're interested in. And most of the trips run between 1,000 to 2,000 or so, but it's, it's worth it to save up for and have an opportunity to go and to uh, bless others in the name of Jesus because we are, as Mark taught uh, in the previous weeks about the word apostello. Do you remember what it means? Sent. It's our word post from post office where a particular letter is sent with a purpose. That's what our post office does, except I'll have to take a little bit of uh, umbrage with them in the fact that the other day I went to the post box where we have a community box where I get all our mail and the postman was there and he said, I'll have a box for you. And I was like, oh, well, just hand it to me and I'll take it to my house, which was, you know, about around the corner and a few houses down. He brought out this box this size. It was huge. I'm like, I don't know if I can fit that in my car. Well, I did. I was able to put it in the back seat, slid in, got home. It was addressed to my wife, Holly Johnson. It had my address on it. It was sent to me. I didn't know what it was. What did my wife get from Samsung? And they make TVs. So I thought, but it it really wasn't heavy enough. So when my wife got home, I said, this came for you. And she said, what is it? And I said, well, it has your name on it. We don't open each other's mail. If it has your name on it, you get to open it. It's always fun. So she opens it up and it's this big round plastic basin looking thing. It's it's this big around. And she said, what is that? And I said, I do not know. (laughs) It was sent to our house, but with a purpose that we do not know. Uh, I, I called, there were some stickers on it. There were a ton of stickers on it. I called Samsung and you're on hold forever. I finally got through to someone and I said, you know, we got this thing. Here's the number, model number. Here's a serial number on it. Uh, it's a big plastic round thing. They said, oh, it sounds like it goes in a washing machine, which ours does not need this. So it wasn't for us. And I said, well, it's, it's huge. I mean, what am I going to do with it? Well, let me connect you to parts. So I was on hold for a while. And I'm like, I'm waiting, wasting all this time because somebody erroneously sent something that somebody in the world needs. I have it. So I uh, waited and the lady answered and she's in California and says, yeah, we, we supply parts for Samsung. What's the model number? And I told her and she said, yeah, we have that part, um, but it's, it wasn't sent from our department. So we don't know who it goes to or I said, well, what should I do with it? And she said, we don't know. (laughs) Well, I'm trying to help here. I could throw it away. That's not going to help anyone. It had another name on it. It It's some uh, place in Virginia and it was a daycare or something. So I thought, well, daycares, they use washing machines. So I found a number online. I called them up and I left messages on two lines. I've yet to hear back from those people. So uh, my wife finally took it back to the post office and uh, they're going to do a return to sender, which it had two return addresses on it. So it's a little messed up. So apostello, the idea is to be sent with a purpose. Sometimes you might have to be equipped for the purpose if you don't know what it is in in my case. And then if you tell God no, then you take it back to sender. (laughs) Return to sender, you send it back. And so we're going to talk about missions and that idea that he brought up a couple of weeks ago, apostello being sent. But for today, we want to look at this uh, Go Reach Your World. I want to look at God's mission, which right over here, we have an area, if you pass by, cordoned off. Our whole cafe is cordoned off for missionaries. Are there any missionaries that got to go inside there and eat food? Charles is here. He He got to go in. 
And, you know, it just made me think, who, who are the missionaries? Well, it's whoever's on mission for God. Each of you have the right and privilege to go into that area and eat that food because you are a missionary. So if we start in the back, if y'all just start going through, we're going to go through, bring something back and just keep rotating through with the whole class through because you are a missionary. But I'm afraid you do not consider yourself a missionary. Now, someone like Charles would, he's been called a missionary all of his life practically um, because we have a certain group of people that we name missionaries. When Gordon was talking about he and his family, they are missionaries. And so when they see a sign that says, missionaries welcome, enter here, they would go in. Other people would look at it and go, oh, those are for the missionaries. But that's you. You are a missionary as long as you are on mission for God. So how does that work? I want to talk about it from Ephesians chapter 4 as we talk about what is the church. Now, the church comes from this Greek word, ecclesia, I'll bring it to the Elmo. They can see. Maybe there. There it is. The Greek word ecclesia comes from two Greek words, ek, which means out of or from, and kaleo means to call. So the idea is to call out. Literally, ecclesia, or we could also pronounce it ecclesia. You might have heard of ecclesiology. That is the study of the church or the study of ones called out, the called out ones, ecclesia, ecclesia. Now, ecclesia is used over 30 times for church uh, in the New Testament, but it's not just a New Testament word. It was, it's a Greek word that even secular people would use of other opportunities that people were called out. Uh, one of the definitions is a gathering of citizens called out from their homes to some public place or an assembly, maybe to watch the games or even to have a Senate hearing. A group of people called out for, in this case, public service to serve the people in the Senate. So just because you hear ecclesia, it doesn't mean, it doesn't have to mean a church, but it can because a church is what? People called out together together to talk about the things of God. One of these uh, definitions uh, says, in a, in a Christian sense, an assembly of Christians gathered for worship in a religious meeting. Also an assembly of people convened at the public place of the council for the purpose of deliberating. A little bit of deliberation. Now, how often do you come to church and deliberate things to co conspire with one another, to, to plan, to understand, and then take action? Do you ever do that at the church? Some of you would say, well, to some degree, yes. We should probably do it a whole lot more. If you are the ecclesia, ek, out, kaleo, called, called out. If you are called out, then you should be doing the things of God and talking about it, finding out what to do, getting a plan, and then doing it more so than just the church telling you what to do. Like for Light the Night on October the 31st, we said, hey, get a bunch of flashlights and pass them out and tell them that you're lighting the night, you're at Champion Forest, and you would love for them to join us next Sunday. Um, Jesus is the light of the world, and we want to tell you about how Jesus can bring light from darkness. These are ways that we can engage the community. So this is, a, this is how Champion Forest says, hey, y'all, here's an idea. You're called out 
to spread the, spread the gospel, to spread the word of God. Here's a way of doing it. So we're telling you or giving you some ideas. But beyond that, you should be conspiring, and, or maybe conspiracy is not the best word. You should, be, you should be deliberating and thinking of ways that you can do that same thing. Because remember, you should be on mission for God. So some of you have to ask yourselves, what is my mission? Well, let's look at what we're called out from. 1 Peter 2.9 gives that answer here when we see... Um, in verse 9 it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Now, by those definitions, you know that Peter is talking about people who are Christians, people who are called out for the purpose of the things of God. They're a holy nation. They're a royal priesthood adopted by royalty. Jesus Christ, God is Father. A holy nation preparing a people for his own possession, that God would possess you. And it tells why. why. Why are you this? That you may proclaim the excellencies, all the great things of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. At the very least, that is your mission. And it says it right here in 1 Peter 2.9. If you call yourself among the hagios, the holy ones or the saints, then you've been called out to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out, kaleo, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You can go back to the PowerPoint. We've just looked at what is the church. We're a group that's called out to come together for a particular purpose, ecclesia or ecclesia. So how does the church run? Well, in our church, we have a senior pastor, and then we have campus pastors, then we have uh, associate pastors. I'm one among those. Uh, we have other ministers, servants. We have deacons. Uh, what does deacon mean? It's a Greek word, diakonos. And it literally means a servant, one who serves. It's not a, a sounding board. It's, it's not a committee. It's not a, a group of, of people that determine direction. Not by definition, they are servants. And in fact, the diakonos, the deacons, the servants were called out so that the preachers, Paul and Peter and others, could have time to prepare their sermons, uh, studying God's word to be able to teach and preach. They needed some help in the service department, so they established these deacons, diakonos, to go and to serve, to leave room for the, the others to prepare, but not to not go and serve as well. That would still be a part of their service. So, so God uses different structures to lead churches, and how does he do that? With his gifts. So just real quick, we look at what are God's gifts? Number one, what is the greatest gift ever given by God? Jesus Christ. He came to save us from our sins so that we could be called out from among the darkness and we are called into his light in order to do what? Proclaim his excellencies. How many times this past week have you taken the opportunity to proclaim the excellent things of God to somebody else who either does not think God is excellent or who may not know of all the excellencies that you could share because God has been so good to you. Show of hands, who has God been good to in this room? Okay, leave your hands up. Only if God's been really good to you, would you say? 
we have plenty of people, hands down, plenty of people that you would say, God has been so good to me, so merciful to me. He has given and taken care of, not always the way that I want him to, not always in the timing that I would prefer, but I can look back and say that God has always taken care of me. Who are you telling about that? To whom are you proclaiming those excellent things? If not, I need you to pick up your missionary hat and put it on and the next time your neighbor's walking down the street with the dog and he stops to go to the bathroom in your yard and you're thinking, I am offended (laughs) by this. Instead of your offense, what is God saying? Hey, opportunity to talk to your neighbor because number one, your neighbor's gonna feel bad because you're standing there and the dog's on your yard. So now, instead of talking about that, you can talk about excellent things. And you can say, you know what? I've got kids. They'll take care of this. Don't worry about that. But hey, I see you walking around. <laughs> so I, you, when my kids were young, what I, instead of hiding Easter eggs, I would tell them to go in the backyard and for every piece of poop they found, I would exchange it for candy. <laughs> it was still a search. Okay. We are way off the subject. I'm just trying to give you a practical way of looking. How can I proclaim God's excellencies? Opportunities abound. We just don't take them because we're so selfish and we're so thinking about ourselves and and, and trying to find justice in this world. And Mark is really good at that. But sometimes God will do something that's, that's, that's crazy. And if we're thinking correctly, we can take the opportunity and proclaim God's excellencies. Sometimes you just need to know what they are so when the opportunity comes, you're ready to share. So this afternoon, your homework is to sit down and on a piece of paper, write down five excellent things that God has done for you or five things that you know is excellent about God. Either way, you'll then put them in your pocket or your purse or wherever so that when the opportunity comes, you see your neighbor coming down, they've got the dog and you're like... Hey, how's it going, man? You know what? And boom, you're good because you refreshed your memory. Certainly God's been good to you. Sometimes we have to remember the greatest gift ever given is Jesus Christ. He saved you and equipped you to proclaim his excellencies. What are some other gifts that he gave? Spiritual gifts. We've talked about those in class. Spiritual gifts. There are three places in scripture, New Testament, that God lists out some gifts. For example, uh, prophecy, uh, service. Um, sometimes some people say organization helps, uh, uh, acts of service. I didn't already say that. Teaching, uh, different gifts that God gives to the believer. You need to understand that all Christians have gifts given by God upon salvation. You don't have to, like, I was going to try to get $400 from Wells Fargo. I have to get a checking account, open it with a certain amount of money, direct deposit for three months. After that, they put $400 in my account. That's fantastic, but I have to do the time in order to get the prize. Now, with God, you don't have to do the time. Once you're saved and you say, I humble myself, I no longer want to live for myself, but I want to live for you to make you my Lord, Master, because you are my Savior, I will follow you and I want to follow you all the rest of the days of my life. From that point on, God says, welcome into the kingdom. He adopts you. He seals you in the spirit and he then equips you with these gifts. We call them spiritual gifts, things that you may or may not be really good at. A lot of times we teach that if you're really good at something, that's probably a spiritual gift. It might be. But when I read the Old and New Testament, I see God gifting 
and, and, and calling out people to do things that we are not ready for, that we think that we can never do. God equips us, and in the end, we say, I could have never done that on my own. Only by the power of God could I have done that. And God says, that's exactly why I gave that assignment to you, because this person would do it on their own strength because they're good at that. I gave it to you because I need it done. I need you to do it. And you are ill-equipped, and so I took care of that for you and surprised you. And you're more likely to do it the next time or something else the next time you get the call. All Christians have the gift. What are your spiritual gifts, and are you using them? And even if you're not using your spiritual gifts, are you using your, your talents, just your, your human gifts to the glory of God? We certainly should be, so no one should feel left out. So let's look at the background in Ephesians 4 as we move into this. We'll spend about 10 minutes just looking through how God equipped the, equips the church in order to put us on mission. He starts off Ephesians uh, chapter 1. He says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, this is sorry, this is Ephesians 4 chapter 1. I urge you as a prisoner of the Lord to walk, that's action verb, in a manner worthy of your calling. Remember, Christians are ecclesia, called out. You're called out to do what? Here, Paul is saying, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you've been given to which you've been called, verse 2, and he wants you to do it with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. That's hard to do sometimes, to bear with one another in love because of our selfishness. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's how Paul starts off this chapter, which I know he didn't write chapters. He just wrote the whole book. We divided it into four chapters. For us, it's easy for you to find Ephesians chapter 4, 1. You want to mark that down and remember that Ephesians chapter 4 is how God runs the church. So let's skip now to verse 11 when it gets to the good part. Uh, my favorite scriptures in the Bible. And he talks, so talking about gifts. So, and he gave gifts. And here they are. He gave some as apostles. Now, we just talked about that word. That is the word apostello. This uh, weekend, I took my dad and my father-in-law to the Taste of Texas. They have a grilling school. Have y'all heard of it? It's really fun. And uh, the proceeds go to help their staff uh, have scholarships to go to college because Ed Hindy, who owns the Taste of Texas, says that People should not be borrowing money from the government and then be indebted to paying off their debts to the government for the rest of their lives because school loans can really be expensive. So he has these little things that he does every once in a while that helps to bring in money for his scholarship fund for his employees. Anybody need a job? Might want to, well, most of you are already out of college, so don't worry about it. Anyway, I was, uh, my dad and father-in-law, we were there and uh, it was fun. And we got to end with a steak dinner. So he sat down with a, a filet about this big. I mean, it was not huge, but I have to go back and get a bigger one. But at our table, there were three other seats. Three ladies sat down and we were visiting with them. And we've got two pastors and a, a, a pastor dad. It's like a PK, only it's a PD. It's a dad of a pastor instead of a kid of a pastor. Uh, and we're, so we're talking to these ladies about where they go to church, what they're up to. One of the ladies goes to an um, Anglican apostolic church. So she said, apostle. And I'm like, hey, by the way, do you know what apostle means, the Greek word apostolos, and I figured that would, you know, impress her, and she would be like, no, please tell me what you know. She's like, she's like, yeah, our church is established to do what God's called us to do, to be sent out and do the work of service, and I was like, yep, you just stole my thunder. 
I had the whole thing ready. I could spell it out in Greek for her and everything, but didn't have to. She, she got it. She understood what apostle or an apostolic church is. Some apostolic churches uh, view things differently. They're derived from the, the apostles, the original apostles, so that's a little different. But she understood the idea that the, the church is sent out in order to be on mission for God. That's what I want us to understand. When we're sitting at the Taste of Texas, visiting with people that we don't know, will you mention to them that you are an apostle of God, that you've been sent out to do work. And in fact, being here, sitting at this table and talking to you is not my idea. It was random in my eyes, but God knew. God knew where I would be and have the opportunity to talk. And in this case, we were just encouraging one another. What if she didn't know anything about God or about being sent? What a great opportunity to share, to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You must be on mission. He's equipped some to be, to have the gift of apostleship sent out with a purpose. He lists four gifts here in this Ephesians 4 uh, passage. The next one are the prophets. So a prophet is not, as in the Old Testament, someone who foretells. It's not someone who says, the Astros are going to win the next two games for sure. I know they are because you don't know. You're just, you just are, are selfishly expecting. That's not confident expectation. El peace. In fact, if the Astros had have won the first two games and then the next two games, several people would have come up and they would have said, I knew, I knew the Astros were going to sweep it. I knew. No, no, you don't know. You just hope that's different. To foretell, over 300 prophecies were foretold in the Old Testament specifically about Jesus Christ, how he would be born, where he would live, what he would do, how he would end, how he would die, and how he would be the savior of the world, so therefore resurrected. And as specific as those things, those are foretelling, and the Bible is full of that. These days, we don't need a lot of foretelling because has anyone read the book of Revelation? (laughs) Not a lot more you need to know, although there are still some prophecies that have not yet been uh, finished, completed, and a lot of those are in the book of Revelation. So we have prophets. So if they're not foretelling, what are prophets doing? They're forth-telling. They're proclaiming to the church. They're bringing God's word for a specific time and for a specific mission. They bring God's word to encourage, inspire, and put us on our way. That's the idea of those with the gift of prophecy. The evangelists are ones that go out and share the gospel. They're the ones that are bringing people in so that they know there's a more excellent way. That you don't need to to dwell around in the darkness and try to get a candle and keep it from blowing out so you can see your way around. That there's one who's calling you into marvelous light and he has the power to give you everything that you need to help you no longer be desperate and wanting in the world. Evangelists go out and uangelizo, proclaim the good news. U being good, the good news The last gift of the four that he talks about in this passage are the shepherds and the teachers. These are one gift combined, a shepherd teacher. It's not shepherds and teachers. It's a shepherd teacher through the language, through the Greek language, you see that it's it's one gift given to someone who not only can, can teach God's word to say, this is what God's word is saying, and this is the way it applies to you. I need you to go do it. God needs you to go do it. I don't. God does need you to go do it. I just am being equipped to give you what it is you need to do, at least some examples and some general thoughts, so that you have feet 
to walk worthy of the manner in which you were called. You need to be doing it, and it is an action verb. But the idea of the shepherd teacher is that you will um, not only teach, but then you would shepherd people, that you would be there for them when bad things happen, when good things happen, that, that you help to form a community of people. And one of my responsibilities within the Biblet class is to be your um, pastor, to, 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 to bring the flock in, to equip you with what you need outside of the teaching, which Mark does so eloquently, and we're thankful for him. And uh, he's taught me so much and oftentimes enables me to do what I do in teaching you. So it's, it's, it's just trickle-down effect. So if it's trickling down to me, I know it's trickling down to you. You should be walking worthy and proclaiming the excellencies. So with these gifts God's given in order for the church to be established and to be able to do the things, to be organized in order to do the things. That's why we have organization. It's not a bad thing. But the church is of the people. If you're just waiting around for those higher ups to tell you or give you suggestions, then you're only doing a little part of what God wants you to do. He's equipped you to be able to come up with his ideas and with his power to do those things. You don't even need the church to sponsor it. We may not even know what you're doing. I'm surprised sometimes. I was on a mission trip with uh, Mr. Gudike and uh, he was talking about some of the things that he's been doing and sharing the gospel with people. And I was like, I never knew that. Well, I never sat down and talked with him. How would I know? He didn't just knock on my door and say, hey Brent, do I get extra credit if I'm doing this and this and this and be sure and let Mark know. No, we don't do that. We want to be about doing God's business. So I know a lot of you are. It would be great to hear about what it is that you're doing, not to be braggadocious on yourself, but to the glory of God. And somebody else might be inspired. If I hear what you're doing, I may think, you know what, I could do something like that in my neighborhood or with my family or, or whatever. So God gives all of these gifts and he tells us exactly why. It is to equip the saints. In other words, the church should be an equipping center to equip you, to prepare you, to give you tracks to run on by, from God, and then to send you on your way to do it. The, equip the saints for what? Work. You're being equipped to work. Walking is work. Has anyone walked lately? Has anyone gone the way on the FLC track? It's work. It's good for you. But instead of walking around this track, or maybe in addition to this track, you need to walk down your street, go to the park, look for someone, look for an opportunity. I'd tell you a story, but I don't have time. So for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, when, when, the, when the church is doing what it's supposed to be doing, not just the organization, but when the people are doing what you're supposed to be doing, using your gifts, being equipped, and then taking action, you build up the body of Christ it's not the champion forest you're not building up. It is the body of Christ. And how long do we do this? How long should we be equipped and take action until we attain the unity of faith, until we attain the knowledge of the Son of God, until we are mature to the measure that measures up to the fullness of Jesus Christ. So when you get to be as smart and as good as Jesus Christ, you can stop. Stop coming to church, stop walking down the street, stop writing a list of things that God's done that are excellent. But until then, God says, we are equipping you until the very, 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 very end. So that you're not children. Children are great, but they're, uh, they, they're not that smart. <laughs> they're not that street smart. They don't know everything. They'll, if you tell them, hey, uh, the sky is blue, but tomorrow it's gonna be green. They're like, really? Great, because they just will believe whatever you say. 
But Paul says, I don't want you to be like children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, or by the craftiness in deceitful scheming. Because there are a lot of deceitful people who are trying to get you to come their way so they can get your money or to get your time or to get your service or whatever it is. They have a lot of ways to do that as Christians. And that's why we have the church, so we can come together and say, hey, is this a good thing? I went over and mowed a lawn yesterday. Here's a story I can tell you. I can, I can talk about me because I know what I'm doing and uh, that's not to brag. But there was a, a lady who needed her, her grass mowed. Uh, they might even be here today. Uh, I found out about it. I loaded up my blower in the truck, went over, mowed, we needed blue, got it all taken care of because it was needed and I can do it. I was equipped to do that and I did it and I, and I had fun. It was good exercise. But so many people can try to get you to do it for the, the wrong reasons or for their own purposes. And that's why we can come together and say, is, is this a good group to help? Is, is this a good thing to do? Let's talk about it. Deliberate amongst ourselves. That's the reason that we're called out. That's why we have a church. So we speak the truth in love. As you do it, you need to do it in love. Because we know Christ is in charge. And finally, your application as we are walking out the door. You need to go. These are your points for home. Paul says walk use your gifts. Find out what they are and use them. If not, use whatever you have and God will empower you to use it to his glory. He will take even the bad things and make them good. Please be teachable so that you can grow and learn. Get rid of the old things that you've learned and say that's not applicable. That doesn't work. This is God's word. This works. Please keep coming to class. Avoid the pitfalls of being a lazy Christian. We just sit around and let everybody else do it. You know what? Truthfully, 80% of the stuff is done by 20% of the people in any average church. Speak the truth and do it in love. And finally, follow the leader. And who's the leader? Jesus Christ. It's not Mark Lanier. It's not me. It's not all the pastors. That's not the leader. Jesus is the leader of the body. He's the one that holds it together. It says so in Ephesians 4. Encourage you to read back through that so that you can get on mission for God. That's what today is about, Mission Sunday. I hope you come back tonight even without a meal ticket because you can learn about how other people are on mission and what they're doing. And just like Gordon, as he spoke today, it is inspiring. So keep doing what you're doing. And if you need to do more, God will let you know. And please let us know because we can help to equip you in specific ways. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we're thankful that you are the one that is in charge. We don't have to answer to anyone else but to you, ultimately. And you have definitely commissioned us to be on mission for you. So we really don't have an excuse either. But I pray that you would use us together as a group, this this class, this church, this part of your body that we could be more efficient, that we could be more focused on areas that we can serve more people to your glory because as a result, they are coming out of darkness into light and we could want nothing better than that. To you, we give the glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.